Hey, welcome to a brand new episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking uh, here on Living Christian. Today we're diving into the book of Colossians. So we're going to spend the next four episodes kind of deep diving into the book of Colossians. Uh, the book of Colossians is in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's letters to the churches. Uh, he was in prison in Rome at the time when he wrote it. Uh, so this is all post-gospel. Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And now Paul is writing these letters to the church to make sure that they're kind of uh, sticking with their faith and not going back to some sort of uh, rules and regulations and ceremonies and the things, the religious ceremonies at the time. So this is what Colossians is going to talk about for the next four episodes. So it's pretty amazing how Paul was able to keep his faith in prison and still take time to glorify God and keep his priorities straight. So that's what we're talking about today. We're deep diving into Colossians chapter 1. Let's do this. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Today, we're starting part one of our deep dive into Colossians. So we're going to read over the next four episodes, Colossians 1, 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today, we're going to dive into Colossians 1. Colossians is a uh, is a great book. It was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. And for those who don't know, about 60 AD or so, uh, he was imprisoned in uh, Rome, and he was writing these letters out to the churches that him and Timothy and some other people had established okay uh, so this is one of the letters to the this is to the uh, the church of Colossae so this is uh, well they call it Colossians uh, so you go through Timothy you go your Philippians Ephesians Galatians Thessalonians all of these are Paul's letters out to the churches kind of keeping them in check a little bit uh, making sure that they're living in Christ and focusing on Jesus as the uh, as the focus and their faith and not getting kind of drugged back into the ceremonial law uh, and, and the rules of the religion at the time. So a lot of these churches kind of started out well, and we're already kind of kind of mishmashing what Christ was talking about with uh, you know their traditional kind of Jewish laws that they had been living their life with. Uh, so uh, he kind of wrote uh, a lot of these letters, kind of keeping them in check and reminding them that Christ is supreme, that Jesus is king, that that's where our focus needs to be. So uh, that's where we start in uh, Colossians 1. Uh, we're going to read through it a little bit, and I'll pause along the way to have coffee as well as uh, you know talk about it. All right, Colossians 1, 1. Let's start right there. It's in. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's in the back of the Bible. Uh, if you can see on my Bible, if you're watching this, uh, I'm on page 1580. So uh, it's in that New Testament after the Gospels uh, for those who are maybe not as familiar with the Bible as other people. So let's start with uh, Colossians 1 here. This letter from, is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our Timothy, our, our brother Timothy. We are writing... To God's holy people in the city of Colossae, which are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Verse 3. Uh, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love of all of God's people, which comes from our confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth about the good news. <clears throat> okay, so he's writing this letter to the believers in this church of Colossae and saying that, hey, you have been given this expectation of loving everybody else, focusing on Christ. Since you first heard the truth 
of the good news, since you first heard the gospel, since you first heard the fact that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had come down to earth. Verse 6, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Talking about the fact that Jesus saved us from sin, saved us from ourselves, saved us from this world, is going out all over the world. So verse 7, you've learned about the good news from uh, Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helpful us, help, helping us on our behalf. He has told us about the love of others that the Holy Spirit has given you. <clears throat> verse 9, so you have not stopped praying for you. We, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. He's giving them encouragement, the fact that their lives have been changed now, right? They've, they've been born again, so to speak, and received the Holy Spirit and focusing on Christ, and how now their, their actions and their fruit that they bear uh, will help change the world. All right, let's uh, have a sip of coffee, get 11. We always pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And we're going to, we're, we'll got a lot more to read here, but let's just focus on that last kind of line for a second, right? <clears throat> so, excuse me. Talking about praising God, always thanking the Father when you're filled with joy, right? And what has the Father, what has God done for us? For he has rescued us in the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So he's talking about going from the, the, the separation of God, which is darkness, to now we're transferred into the, the new kingdom, which is in fellowship and in relationship with Jesus. And what did Jesus do for us? He purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And sometimes we forget, or not necessarily forget, but don't really talk about the he purchased our freedom part. Okay, We were slaves to our sin. We were bound to our sin. We, 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 we did not have freedom uh, in this world because we were held back and separated from God with this sin and this earthly, you know, junk that we carry with us. And Jesus purchased our freedom through his sacrifice. And that is the key here, right? It's something that we cannot do and we did not do for ourselves. Jesus came down and purchased our freedom by uh, being that sacrificial lamb. So no longer had to do animal sacrifices and all those things. Everything changed, right? Because Jesus was the sacrifice. He went through that pain uh, for us and purchased our freedom. And then in return, and in addition to that, he uh, forgives us for our sins by freeing us from that. All right? All right, uh, let me have a sip of coffee and let's dive into 15. Uh, Christ is the visual image, and this is something that uh, sometimes people get confused about as well. This is verse 15. Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme 
over all creation. This is something that, and I'll, 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 I'll keep reading, but just to take a moment here. So many unbelievers or non-believers, we'll call them, want proof of God, okay? They want the fact that I can't see, physically see God. I want to physically touch Him and see Him. And what Paul is saying right here is you could have if you lived during when Christ was here. Jesus, the man, right? Fully man, fully God. But the man on earth, the physical Jesus, was the visible image of an invisible God. He allowed us, God allowed us to see him by coming here on this earth. And there's something else in the second part of 15 I think people will get confused about, okay? He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I've talked about this before. If you've been a long-time follower here on Instagram or maybe you uh, you know follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple and all that stuff, maybe, hopefully you are, but... Uh, Jesus was there from the beginning. You got to stop thinking about Jesus just being a man walking the earth. At the beginning, it says he taught, he made God, he, he made man and woman in our image. He's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was there from the beginning. Okay. Uh, okay. So we didn't even finish reading that sentence. It's supreme all over creation. For though, uh, for through him, God created everything, and in the heaven realms and on earth. He's made, uh, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him, talking about God, talking about Jesus. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is, the, is also the head of the church, which is his body. This is important to, to read, that Jesus is not only was not only there from the beginning, and everything was created through him and for him, but Jesus is the head of his church, of his body, of his people. You and me. All right, he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he can be first in everything. The all the rise from the dead is, is a... Uh, uh, correlation that you were dead before you were saved by Jesus. Now you were born again. Now you are alive. Just so you know. Uh, verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is what we were talking about at the end of the, the last section, talking about the purchasing of freedom. Verse 21, This includes... You who were once far away from God, you were her, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So does that sound familiar? <clears throat> A lot of people that struggle with their faith uh, feel like they're not good enough uh, to have that relationship with Christ, not good enough to be saved. They've done so many awful things, so many sins in this life. But I mean, Paul is talking to the people in this church right now, which we can correlate to that we were enemies of God because we were in our sin, right? <clears throat> we were separated from him from our evil thoughts. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Not because of anything that we've done, okay? It's all about Christ. He talks about the fact that you were an enemy of God because you were separated from God because of your evil son. Yet through the death of Christ and that physical body, we are allowed to stand blameless 
in front of God. Thank, thank you for that. Holy mackerel. What a, uh, what a blessing that is. Verse 23, But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So he's, he's asking us to stand firm in our faith and firm in our understanding that Jesus saved us. He provided the freedom for us. He is the way to uh, the Father. He is the way to God. So st- stick with that, right? Continue to believe this truth. Do not stray from it. All right, one sip of coffee, and let's go to 24. Wrap it up. <clears throat> Verse 24, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues for his body, the church. He's talking about the suffering, the fact that he is in chains right now. He is in a prison in Rome, writing these letters. So these letters that Paul wrote, I mean, this is so hopeful and so kind of glorious, the fact that we're just loving Christ and preaching the love and the good news, yet he's in miserable conditions. But he's seeing that as kind of uh, correlated suffering to Christ. He's, he's, he's okay with the suffering because he realizes what Jesus went for him, so he knows it's not that bad. He knows that one day he will be joined again with the Father. So he he's fine with the suffering because he knows it's only temporary. Verse 25, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept under secret for centuries and generations past, but now has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Ready? Christ lives in you. This gives your assurance of sharing his glory. So there's two important messages here right now. Is one is you have to remember that most of the people of the time, at least for you know hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years, uh, it was uh, all about uh, being the Jewish faith and God's chosen people and abiding by these laws, these Old Testament laws. And the Gentiles were kind of out, right? They weren't reading the the scriptures, the Old Testament. They were just kind of there. And what he's saying is that Christ came to save the Gentiles too. So now we have a new focus on this. This is a new teaching, a new testament, a new agreement with God, so to speak, that the Gentiles, the non-Jews of the time, can get into heaven and can have a relationship with Christ. That and the secret of that is the fact that once you do that, once you accept Christ as your savior, once you accept that relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you, you are born anew and Christ is in you. I love that. All right, where were we? Uh verse 28. <clears throat> so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. That's why I worked and struggled so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So he's talking about this is why he has dedicated his life, right? And you have to remember who Paul was, right? Paul was um, the man who was persecuting Christians before this, before he had this experience and, and was exposed to Christ and completely changed his life. Life. And now he's telling everybody. So what 
better person to talk about the love and the salvation and the acceptance of Christ than somebody who used to murder Christians. Let's be honest. This is a guy who was not a good guy historically, and God changed him fundamentally in his heart and in his mind. So he's the perfect person to go out and preach this good news, right? So that's his mission now. That's why he works and struggles so hard, but he knows he has Christ's mighty power within him. He knows that he can accomplish anything if he allows Christ to work through him uh, and not by his own good deeds. All right, that's Colossians 1. Let's uh, bookmark that in the old uh, the old Bible, and we'll do uh, Colossians 2 on Monday. There you go. Hope you guys liked uh, Colossians. Maybe you've read it before, maybe you haven't, uh, but it's always a good word. All right, so now is the time, if this is your first or 50th time listening to me or watching me, now is the time where I, I like to answer some questions. So I've seen a few kind of go through uh, in the comments. They're going so fast. I cannot read the ones in the comments if you're live here on Instagram. Uh, uh, but put it in the bottom. There's a question mark, and I'll answer a couple of those questions now. So if you have a good question, put it in there. Hopefully there's a few in there already, uh, and uh, we'll go about our day. What days are you live? If this is your first time, uh, Jordan, uh, I'm live on Mondays and Fridays uh, typically. At 8 a.m. Central Time, uh, I'm right here in Texas, so that's my time zone. Uh, so that's what time I typically go on. I'm going to change it up a little bit this year. I'm going to um, uh, still bounce around and do Bible verses. I'm going to do chapters of the Bible as well. But on the last episode of the month, uh, I'm going to do a full Q&A session. So I've gotten a lot of feedback. People love the Q&A uh, part of these episodes. Uh, so I'm going to do full Q&A at the end of each month. Uh, so get ready for that if you like that type of format. Uh, the last uh, episode, <clears throat> excuse me, episode of each month will be uh, just me answering your questions directly from you. Okay, uh, let's. Uh, I like to read the first one that I see. If you guys have joined me on these before, I do, regardless of what it is. Uh, what version of the Bible do you recommend for a new young believer? One that is easy to understand from Mama Burke's uh, one. So uh, I actually, I assume you mean translation versus version. It's fine. I use the New Living Translation. This is my Everyman's Bible. For those who just joined me, I have had this for years and years. I've got tabs on it, highlights in it. Uh, you can get it uh, on my Amazon shop. So if you go to my go to livingchristian.org, there's an Amazon thing there you can click on, and my Bible is uh, in there in case you uh, want get one for your dad or brother or son. Uh, but uh, from a from a translation version, uh, there's a lot of debate on this. Uh, I grew up Southern Baptist, so uh, I was all into the uh, you know King James version. That's all we read uh, growing up. It's very hard to understand with the these and the thous. There's some purpose for that. But if you're a new Bible reader or you're a new believer trying to understand it, there's some there's some easier to read versions than that. And, and I'm not going to have a debate. I don't want to have a debate on which translation is right or the best. I, and you guys have heard me say this before, I care, I care the most that you're going to find something you can read and that you can understand, okay? That is the translation that you need to find. I don't care what it is. Uh, NLT, NIV, like I said, I use the New Living Translation, the new uh, NLT. The ESV, the English Standard Version, is pretty easy uh, to read. I think my wife has that one. Uh, so that's the one that she likes to read. There's some other ones out there that I don't like, to be honest with you. Uh, the Passion, there's some other ones I just don't like. They're just too generic. Uh, but uh, I would say if I were to give you a... Uh, 
you know, uh, some advice, NLT or ESV are probably the easiest. And the best way to do it is download the Bible app, that version Bible app, uh, and then you can just switch the translations on there. And, and uh, so, you know, pick out some verses, uh, go to Matthew and start reading, and then just switch the translations to see which one you like the best. And then from there, get a physical Bible. Uh, I love the Uversion app. Don't get me wrong. I love those guys at Life Church. I know them. Uh, they're great, but uh, there's nothing better than a physical Bible uh, to carry along with you. Uh, that is for sure. All right, let's see what other questions we have. Um, all right, so why do most Christian lose faith in terms of difficulty? So Tony's asking, basically, <clears throat> why is it that so many Christians... Uh, you know, kind of lose their faith when they run into difficulty, which is a great question, which is very common. I don't necessarily have a clear-cut answer for you. Uh, it happens, okay? So this world, and here's my answer. It's probably not what you're looking for. You're probably looking for something you can address in your own life. But in reality, uh, here's what we just talked about in Paul, is he's in prison, yet he's stuck with his faith, and he's encouraging us to stick with our faith it with, uh, with Jesus for sure. So why is it that we fall from that constantly? In my opinion, the reason why that happens um, is because the devil works so hard in this world, right? He works so hard to distract us. It's less about the difficulty we're, cha we're challenged with or going through our life. Yes, that is the case. There are times where we have loss. There are times where we have troubles. There are times when just things just aren't going right for us, that sometimes we fall away from that faith because we, we get discouraged or we think that God's not taking care of us or God's not loving us. But more than likely, what happens is uh, people get distracted by this world. They're distracted by the pain. They're distracted by their challenges. They're getting too involved with what that challenge is. Sometimes it's real. You lose a family member. You, you have financial problems. I totally understand that. But sometimes we put so much uh, emphasis and focus on our jobs, on our success, that we get so wrapped up into that that we lose our faith. So why do Christians do this? I think it doesn't, whether it's Christians or another religion, it doesn't really necessarily matter. It equates to all of them, but certainly I care more about Christians. Uh, the reality of it is it, the devil's working hard to distract us and to put us in tough situations and to put us and try to prove us wrong and try to prove God wrong all the time. That's it. You're separated from God half the time because you're stuck in your evil sin, as we just read about in Colossians. So if you find yourself uh, going through difficult times, going through challenging times, uh, whether it's financial, emotional, physical, uh, my advice is to double down on your relationship with God. I know it's hard. I know that's a tough thing to do. It's easier said than done. I get it. But I've gone through hard times. We've all gone through hard times. And every if you look back at your life, you will see that every single challenge in your life, God has helped you get through eventually. Sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not so quick, okay? Sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, but in the grand scheme of eternity, uh, you know, our little lives here are just a speck of time. So it may feel like a very challenging and long, drawn-out struggle, but in reality, it's going to be uh, short in the grand scheme of eternity. All right, let's see what other questions we have. All right. Right, I'm going to scroll through a little bit. I've got uh, ooh, lots here. All right. 
Uh, what version of the Bible are you reading from? I mentioned that earlier. It's the NLT. Uh, do you have a Spotify podcast? Yes, I do, Daniel. Uh, just look up uh, Living um, Living Christian or Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking is the, uh, the, the name of this. Okay. Uh, I know this is off topic as a Christian, uh, but should Christians eat pork or shellfish? Great question. Uh, yeah, you can eat pork or shellfish. Uh, I know that is, um, uh, if you're familiar with uh, kind of the breakdown of the Old Testament and New Testament and what rules, quote unquote, uh, apply to us, we are free from those old Levitical laws. Uh, so if you go through the Old Testament and kind of reading through Genesis and Exodus and, and Numbers and Leviticus and some of those kind of rule books that God was laying out the um, you know what He wanted us to abide by to kind of earn our way to heaven or to show that we were focused. When I say we, I really mean the Jewish people of the time uh, that were dedicated to God. But all that Jesus fulfilled those laws. Those Levitical laws are gone. Right, because if you can't eat shellfish or pork, then you can't wear mixed fabrics, or you can't trim your beard or cut your hair. Uh, so let's take them all as a whole. Let's be honest. Uh, do, we don't need to nitpick parts of the Old Testament that we think still apply to us. There's a lot of uh, learning that we need to do, but the the Old Testament pointed to uh, Christ. Period. And then Christ fulfilled those laws and allow us to uh, be with Him and not dealing with uh, you can't eat pork or shellfish. That was a that was an Old Testament uh, is unclean type of uh, old Levitical laws and some of the Old Testament laws. So you're free from that now. I wouldn't worry about it. But if you feel um, conflicted by that, I will say this. That's how I feel. Okay. But if you feel conflicted by that, you feel like you. Uh, are unsure about that, if you're unsure that you can cut your beard or eat shellfish or eat pork or get a tattoo for that matter uh, that, uh, you know, glorifies God, if you want to get a cross on your arm or something like that, whatever. If you're conflicted by that, then yes, do not do that. Okay. You, I, you know, pray about it and let God lead you to what, you know, you're going to do. So that's, that's the way you're going to handle it. I firmly, I've read the Old Testament many times. I feel like that stuff uh, not all of it, but, uh, you know, the shellfish eating and the pork eating are old, uh, kind of Levitical and, uh, ceremonial laws, uh, that were meant for the Jewish people of the time and Levitical priest of the time. Uh, it wasn't meant for us, but take it to the Lord, go ask, pray about it, talk to him about it, let him lead you where you need to be and, uh, let that be okay. Right. Let that be okay. Uh, it's all about the relationship that you have with Christ. Okay, it's all about the relationship that you have with Jesus. It's less about the rules of the church or, or what you or even what I think. It, it matters what you think. I'm just here telling you how I think. So there you go. That's uh, that's that's my opinion on the shellfish pork, uh, you know, scenario. There you go. All right, I'm gonna uh, have a sip of coffee and let's have a prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you so much for protecting us in our lives and helping us see that even through challenges and difficulties that we need to glorify you and remember that you saved us from our sins. You saved us from this world and you will help us get through these challenging times. We know that even by reading this chapter today and the fact that it was written by Paul while he was prison, you're showing us that no matter where we're at in our lives, what prison that we feel like we're living in, physically, emotionally, mentally, that we need to stay focused on you and you can help us have hope 
you can help us feel loved. Because a lot of times we feel like we're imprisoned in our own thoughts, in our own bodies, in our own situations. We don't feel hope, Lord. But we know if that we focus on the good news, focus on our salvation, the way Paul instructed us to, the way he instructed that church to, that we know that that brings us hope in our life, that you will one day bring us out of these situations and put us on the path that you want us to be on to one day join you. We're so thankful for that. We trust you with that. But we need strength. We need help sometimes to keep that faith because we all get distracted in this world, Lord. And it, we're, we apologize for that, but uh, we're weak humans that need a strong God for sure. We love you and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We'll get back together on Monday and read Colossians 2. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever in mind. Love you guys.